0: Everybody's got to eat, and nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragucci for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to
1: one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. (laughs) How are you today?
0: I'm good. How about you?
1: Good. So Francie and I, were, we, uh, it's been an interesting day today. We won't go into details, but uh, I was like, man, I need to, I need to s- s- stop with the whole caffeine thing, at least minimize it. Cause I got coffee <laughs> and I got soda <laughs> and water. <laughs> Francie, what did you do?
0: I held up my 20 ounce coffee and my, uh, 16 ounce monster in my <laughs> bottle of water <laughs> to show you that um it really isn't all that different
1: I think God has templates <laughs> and he kind of just mixes and matches different templates and uh, Francie and I got some of the same ones obviously biologically she and I are very very different <laughs>
0: Yeah, that would be a fact. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Age is different, but uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah, we won't go into the pronoun thing, but the uh, uh, definitely the the compulsion to drink lots of caffeine throughout the day is there,
0: um, especially by the time we get to Friday, which is when we tend to record these. is Friday late morning, early afternoon. So um, here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Here we are. So. It was kind of it was interesting. This was a very interesting news day, or I should say news week. Um, and you and I got a lot of responses on a couple of different articles that were kind of related. So yeah, it's it's fascinating. And you went all crazy and decided you're gonna create a whole new product because of one of those, which we will discuss later.
0: I did. I did. I wanna go back though to a previous podcast because I discovered something during the course of the week. Um, We talked about the new product, speaking of new products, that Starbucks was launching. Oh, yes. And we were just talking about our caffeine. Um, I stopped into a Starbucks last week and was asking them about the new product that they were launching, the coffee with the olive oil, to see if they had it yet. And they did not. And the barista was telling me that he didn't know if they were going to get it. That they had pulled it uh. out in all of the major cities, and he was not sure that they were going to get it because it seems that it has caused some gastrointestinal. I'm <laughs> 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 like, you don't say. <laughs>
1: This is so funny that um that they had to have empirical evidence that this is going to happen as opposed to just going like ha let me let me think about this what would happen if we added these two things together
0: I was kind of dumbfounded I was just like you, you don't say <laughs> So anyway they um apparently may not have a full scale launch on that product in the States anyway.
1: Uh, so uh, sad. I don't Alice. know. I
0: don't know. I have not talked to anybody at Starbucks corporate. Certainly that came from a barista at a drive through.
1: I know a bunch of people at Starbucks corporate. I should ask them. I didn't even think about that, <laughs> but, um, I live, I live in a much larger city. <laughs> you do. Uh, one of the top 40. I, I think we're not, I mean, obviously we're not top 10 Colorado Springs, but I'll be up in Denver tomorrow too, or Sunday. So I should check to see if, in my local Starbucks and in Denver. I was really looking forward to this being one of our challenge series in our podcast, Francine. So was my family. My wife and daughter were were very excited about the potential of you and I trying to last a couple episodes, recording a couple episodes after drinking one of those.
0: (laughs) You were way more excited about that than I was.
1: (laughs) Well, you weren't excited about it at all. You were very, no, this is not happening.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not surprised at the result.
1: But I mean, that's really, I mean, that is monumentally expensive for Starbucks to roll that, for, for Starbucks to create the product and then to roll it out to the test market in Italy and then to roll it out in the major cities within the United States before them going like, huh, yeah. I don't think this is gonna work. So
0: much goes into developing the product. Yeah. Marketing, launching, the testing of the product. I mean it yeah, it's a major undertaking to do something like that. So yeah. I just want
1: raspberry syrup back. <laughs> you don't want to just go on Amazon and buy that raspberry or, or in the grocery store.
0: I don't keep it in my car. <laughs> Why
1: not? Obviously, we've just shown each other that we have multiple vessels of holding liquid. Why not? Why not add a syrup one?
0: Keep a flask of raspberry syrup.
1: <laughs> oh my! That would be so hilarious. Oh, wait, I I am tempted to. I, I saw I saw a TikTok uh, of this guy who had a handle of of like a vodka handle, a, a off vodka handle. And in it was just water and he's sitting out in the front porch, just <laughs> drinking it from, from like this 1.75 liter bottle of water in a vodka container. And I was like, that is G I so want to do that. Go for like one of my hikes, you know, cause it's a convenient little bottle, those things and just walk around with, with that and just be drinking. Probably not good. Not a good idea. Don't plan on getting grocery arrested.
0: Store. To the grocery store with your <laughs> vodka bottle of water. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like, excuse me, sir. You need to pay for that. No. no, no, it's water. It's mine. I got it home.
0: How many kids listen to this podcast are going to be dumping out their parents' vodka <laughs> <laughs> or drinking it, which they.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, not like no be, kid has ever. <laughs> drink vodka and then added water to it. And
0: dumping the water. No, <laughs> no ideas children. <laughs> no <laughs> ideas <laughs> not not we, we went way off track. So back to our <laughs> and this is how it happens <laughs> And this is
1: this and this is how it begins. yes. so I thought this this was an interesting stat that I didn't even know. I, one of the things I love about this industry and working in food and food compliance in general is if you're not learning anything new, You're not trying because you don't even have to really try to learn something new. But did you know that 40% of foodborne illnesses comes from um, sick workers in restaurants?
0: So, yes, because I've written articles about this. Now, the number, I think, fluctuates a little bit, but I've written multiple articles. And you and I remember working different aspects of the industry. So this is more my world. And I know that the number is, is astonishingly high, in my opinion. And I know that, you know, there are certainly things that can be done to lower that number. You know, hand-washing, single-use gloves, and employees not coming to work when they're sick. Now, having spent a number of years in the industry, you know, there's two sides to the coin. And I'm not condoning anything right. by any means. It's a topic that needs to be discussed. I feel like it doesn't get discussed enough. It's something that needs to be rectified. There's consistently, and especially now, a labor shortage problem. But you know, and, and I always use this as an example. you know it's it's Friday night in the fall. Everybody calls in sick and you've got that last employee that you're counting on to show up. Yep. That calls in and says, I don't, I don't feel well. And the manager says, Can you come in just for a few hours? Yep. And that's all it takes.
1: That's all it takes.
0: We've got to get rid of that mindset because I'm quite sure that even though those customers on the other side of the counter are upset because they have to wait for their food. And, you know, it's a rough night for the people that are working because you're getting slammed before and after that football game. They would rather wait for their food than get sick because somebody came to work sick. But, I mean, that's that's the reality. That's, that's real world. Yeah. And that's as real as it gets. So, um, again, we need to change that mentality. And what happens is, you know, While we have for, you know, if you look at the number, and I don't have my glasses on, only like 25%, 23% had policies in place, written policies in place telling, you know, the employees not to come to work when they were sick.
1: Really? Exactly. I'm sorry, what was that number again? 25%?
0: Only a minority specified all symptoms that should keep someone home from work. Vomiting, diarrhea, wound with pus, sore throat, fever, or jaundice. So, you know, 23%. So that means that approximately, rounding numbers here, 75% of restaurants did not.
1: Wow.
0: That's a lot. So- the employees need to be educated about what symptoms they shouldn't be coming to work with. If you have diarrhea, don't come to work. You know, if you're vomiting, don't come to work.
1: Now, what about, what about colds? Like what your, the type of symptoms you're naming off right now are norovirus or any type of, any type of like stomach flu type of things could be norovirus, E. coli, salmonella, et cetera.
0: Well, you don't know unless you go to the doctor, right? So most of the time people don't go to the doctor and a lot of times they're asymptomatic and still contagious. So you can't prevent 100% of the foodborne illness outbreaks. They can come to work with a cold. A cold's not a foodborne illness. Right. You know what I mean? And then the sore throat. If you work in a high risk population, and I don't know that we want to get into all this right now. I don't want to teach a class, but some apply to high risk populations. Some accru- apply to the retail and the food service industry. But technically speaking, if they have a sore throat, they they really should not come. They should not come to work, especially with the whole COVID. You know, now that we have COVID that we need to worry about as well, even though those parameters have gone away. Right. So it's concerning that 75% of restaurants don't have written policies. And this I can tell you, me. I frequently on my LinkedIn page and wherever have it out there that we we write these policies. And I'm sure that there are other consultants out there that write these policies as well. And I wonder how often they are taken up on that. I'm sure people have, they have people on staff. The major corporations have these. Okay. Your major corporations have these. I, I, I know that they do, but it's important to have these so that people know what the rules are. Yeah.
1: I was a manager at Starbucks and that was, I mean, this was 22 years ago, a long time ago in college. And, I was trained in this and they were really strict about not having people showing up if you have diarrhea, which is funny because then they create product that induces diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> but for a completely different reason. <laughs> so,
0: so the entire staff tastes this product during rollout. <laughs>
1: No, but they were – Starbucks, thankfully, because I have been a longtime customer of theirs ever since. I was a longtime customer before. Then I became even more uh, in love with Starbucks when I worked there and then have continued afterwards. But they they really hammered into us that employees were not – allowed to come in sick. And that's in just to, to your point, like that was very difficult to do because a lot of times, because they're working so closely together, a lot of times they're they get sick in clusters. Right. And, um, you just have to communicate with the, with, uh, like exactly what exactly you said, the customers and be like, Hey, I'm sorry, it's taking a little longer for your own safety. A bunch of our staff could not come to work because they were sick. So it's going to take a few more minutes. Um, you know, I apologize for the inconvenience, but, it really is for your best benefit. And we did have some people that were upset, but most of those people that got upset would be upset anyways about just about anything. Like there's a subset of the population that look forward to being pissed off about something. You can't help them in life. So, but the vast majority of people are like, man, thank you. Wow. Okay. Yes. I can wait a few more minutes. You know, it's, it's, it's worth it. Not, you know, and, and when you do, do communicate like that to your clients, you end up, customers, you end up getting more loyalty, right? Because they trust you.
0: Well, absolutely. And and it's not only that you can't come to work with these symptoms, but why can't you come to work with these symptoms?
1: Oh yeah, the why. you,
0: You have to educate them. And there's like, in addition to that, you know, the FDA has the six reportable illnesses, you know, it used to be five. Now there's six reportable illnesses. And if you have those illnesses, you can't come to work. So you know, it goes a bit further than this, and I used to do some corporate training for Starbucks, and I know that they—I don't know why we were—I guess the coffee—we <laughs> have Starbucks out there, but um, I know that they do a fabulous job on conveying this message to their employees and their yeah. management staff. So, um, yeah, it's just—it's just part of what you do when you own a restaurant or you own a business, and you should know these things. Everybody from the C-suite down to the person that's, you know, pouring the milk into your, into your coffee or the shot of espresso or whatever, the person that's washing their dishes, everybody should know about this and what they should do and when they should come to work and when they can't come to work. And it's just it's an important ass. It's as important as selling the coffee is.
1: I, I wonder if we're gonna be able to have an episode now that now that we've had this conversation with Darren Detweiler, if we're gonna have an episode where we don't end up referring back to that conversation with him. But it goes back to the whole beliefs versus values, right? Because back to what we were talking about about well, okay, you have a cluster of workers, employees that can't show up because they're they're sick. What do you do? Well, you believe in food safety. Do you value it enough to open up that that shift with a skeleton crew? Or do you start really harassing your employees to come into work even with their sick, when they're sick? And that that comes back down to that values versus beliefs, I think.
0: Well, and I think that's where, you know, while you have these policies and procedures in place, if you do, what's your backup plan for when that happens? Yeah, you know what I mean. When when you don't have a staff, because we you know we discovered just during COVID that can happen. You can have an entire staff, you know, that gets sick. What what do you do if you can't pull employees from another store? You know, we used to, you know, if something like that would happen, I'd be able to call in employees from another store. You know, and and I my nearest store was twenty five miles away. So my thought process is if I was able to do that and my nearest store was 25 miles away, most people should be able to cover their bases. You know, you pull employees from what crew were from wherever you need to. Right. You know, it was sometimes a struggle. I'm not saying that it was easy, but that's your plan B. Find a sister store somewhere that, you know, maybe on those rare situations, you pay those people a little bit more and find management from that store that can help you cover or team members that can help you cover those shifts.
1: And that's assuming you like, because both of us have experience in franchises or corporate, so Mm -hmm. you can pull from other stores. But I also was a server in college at a restaurant that was just a single restaurant, right? right? So when people showed up, when people called in sick, you had to work extra, the other staff had to work extra tables. The hostess had to tell people, hey, listen, you know, we can't, yes, I know you see tables there. And that's what COVID happened too. Because I remember walking in and my my daughter walking into a restaurant and, um, you know, hostess being like, hey, um, you're going to have to wait like 30 minutes. And my daughter was like, there's all these open tables there. What are you talking about? And she's like, yes, we have open tables, but we will not have servers to serve them. So I just said, you know, to everybody, like, listen, we are very gracious people, and we completely understand that you are understaffed. Do you mind, my daughter and I, just sit at that table right there next to the other one, and um, we will, you know, we're not going to ask the server to to wait on us, you know, really, really well, just because we know she has like fourteen tables. So can can we just sit there though and just have a conversation, and and you know, we, we want to we'll spend two hours here as opposed to an hour. Uh, And most companies were like, yes, that's great. Yeah, go ahead. And some were like, no, you have to wait 30 minutes beforehand. Whatever, it's their policy. But uh, again, back to the communication. But it still baffles me. So this 40% of illnesses that are passed on by sick workers, that is probably one of the easiest outbreaks to stop if the policies are held correctly. And if employees just don't show up, that's the other thing too is a lot of times these employees are not full-time employees. They don't have sick leave, paid sick leave. And so sometimes it could be the policy of the employer to, to, to not have them show up, but they still show up because they need to get paid. They need the money.
0: Right. Well, and there's, you know, Bill Marler brought up a good point in the article when he talk, talked about the hepatitis A vaccine, you know hepatitis a is probably one of the easiest things to stop in the food service industry if people just got vaccinated yeah you know there's a vaccine and it's optional most people don't have it so that's an issue um yeah not washing their hands properly you know i had to laugh not laugh because you know that i'm not laughing about this at all it's um been a s- Source of contention for me now for a long time. In the last few weeks, I've just been just beyond frustrated. So this article is about foodborne illnesses, and CNN did this. I mean, they can do better. It's about foodborne illnesses and how employees can spread foodborne illnesses. And the picture that they use, the image that they use, as they're talking about six sick employees, is an employee placing food on a plate and he has no gloves on
1: now. By the way, they did change this. And and, uh, that's a great segue into, into this next thing. And I think we need to have a, a, a podcast specifically on the hepatitis A vaccine, because I was surprised about that. That even existed a few weeks ago for one of the podcasts and we just brought it up again. So I definitely have to do that again. But, okay, so that's the next segment is what you're talking about now. And I really want you to go into detail on this because you posted this on LinkedIn. And I don't know, you probably have received thousands of people that have looked at that. Did You were telling me this morning CNN took that image off?
0: Well, I went into the main link on Google and the picture's gone. So maybe you, maybe you were having an impact,
1: Francine. <laughs>
0: I don't know, but that picture is not there anymore.
1: Which is good, which <laughs> is a, good.
0: It's a picture of, it's a picture of bacteria. It's a video of bacteria or something that's on the Google, that's on the Google link. So yeah, please don't think I'm crazy when you go look.
1: Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I saw it. I, I, I And is, is the image still there on your LinkedIn post?
0: It is. The Im-, I'm looking at it right now. The image is still there on my LinkedIn post. But the image is of this cook, and he's barehand contact plating food in the kitchen. Now, if he happens to be sick, they could have an outbreak from this sick employee handling the food that he's putting on that plate. Yeah. And, and we see this all the time. I see this culinary schools, consultants, restaurants posting images of all kinds of food code violations with articles about food safety restaurants that they're representing you know when when you do that it's it's contradictory to what you're writing about yes. or what you're posting and not only that but let's suppose that that restaurant in this image has an outbreak and let's say this article happens to be an advertisement. It's not, but let's say it happens to be an advertisement about that restaurant. And let's say Bill Marler is representing the people that get sick. What's he going to do with that image?
1: <laughs> that, is such, that is such a fantastic point. And you you teed that up so well, Francine. Wow. It's like you've thought about this a a little bit.
0: (laughs) I don't even need to. I feel like I don't even need to think about it. It's common sense. It's like, what are they thinking when they post these images? And, And this is the problem. They're not. They're not. Well, but I can't say that I blame it. The problem is this. The people that are hired to post these images aren't trained on anything that has to do with the FDA food code. Media agencies, people that social media, graphic artists, the people that write the articles are, you and I are, but the people that are taking these pictures and the people that are videoing in the kitchens, they're not experts on the food code. So they don't even realize what they're doing. They they don't, it's not intentional. And I'm really not trying to beat them up. It's it's more of an education. They don't understand what they're doing or the liability involved. Because after Bill Marler gets done with this restaurant, what's that restaurant going to do to the person that posts that picture? My mind is just blown that these people have never been, it's just something they're not taught. And they need to know, they need to understand what they're doing. They need to understand the just the basics. They don't need to be experts on the food code. They just need to understand the basics of what what it is that they're doing and what's happening and the whys.
1: Right. And and also policies. And and So back to the whole, you know, 25%, only 25% of restaurants have policies in place for, uh, you know, illness at work. That to me is fascinating. I I did not know that stat either. But if that's the case, that makes sense. That means that 75% don't. And if you're taking stock images, which I'm sure a lot of these probably just came from stock. And it's not like CNN went into a restaurant. And was like, Hey, I have a, this article. So they're, I'm sure they just went in, they went in and grabbed a stock image. And if that's the case, that means that 75% of the restaurants where stock image is going to come from aren't doing it correct either. Or if it's a placed, you know, if they're, if they're, creating these images in a test kitchen, then they may not even know what policies need to be done. But that the back to what we were talking about earlier, you and I, before we did this, is if that's what the perception of the industry is by people rev- looking at these images, then that's what they're going to think and they're going to replicate it because images equal a thousand words, right? picture equals a thousand words. And if they're looking at that and they're seeing a bunch of things wrong as okay, then they're going to replicate it. And that's a problem.
0: Well, and, you know, I, I struggle to find stock images that are good right. when I'm looking for them. I it, It's a struggle to find one that is conducive to what I'm writing about or talking about when I'm creating a presentation for somebody or myself or whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's difficult to find that image.
1: I, I love it when you go off on on LinkedIn, though. <laughs> You went off on that one, but I try to be nice. And then you're like, you know what? I am going to create a product from this. I'm going to, and now I'm going to start promoting it on LinkedIn before I even have it. And everybody is like, when is this going to be out? I want to join.
0: I'm even right now offering it free. So I mean, it just it's just it's a service. It yeah. I want I want to fix the
1: problem. And when is that going to be? Because I think we should we should it's it's going to be a webinar or something like that where you're going to
0: yes. I'm still working on creating it. It's almost—I think it is done, but I want to probably within the next. I'm going to say 30 days.
1: Got it. I will So it's done, it. but then the perfectionist side of your brain has to tweak it until it's. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I know you or anything, Francie. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> yeah, that's why I hire you for projects because I'm like, oh my gosh you know, I give you a buck, you're going to work, you're going to make sure it's way better than I ever could even dream of.
0: It'll be worth 10. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That's exactly right. That's
0: just the way my brain works. I won't, if it's going to have my name on it, it's got to be right.
1: No, 100%. And I'm, I'm excited about that. And everybody on LinkedIn was too. And it may be something good for just consumers that aren't even in the industry as well. Um, But yeah, so I didn't even know it was going to be free. I thought you were going to charge for it. So it's going to be like a free webinar. Ultimately
0: I will. Ultimately, that is my plan. But I think initially, I just am not, it'll be for It's
1: going to be such a great thing for the industry. I've never seen anybody do anything like that before.
0: I think it'll be good for everybody, you know, the independent graphic artists, market, marketing agencies, as well as media agencies, corporate entities, just everybody so that the graphic artists within those industries know what it is that they're at least have somebody review your stuff. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the knee cover for the book a couple months ago? No, they put a book out for auditors and the guy's mask was below his nose. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell are you doing? How did this get by everybody? How did this happen? Like they are one of the leading agencies. Yeah, you should country. tell everybody who
1: NEHA is.
0: National Environmental Health Agency. They're um, an accreditation Yeah agency. one of the leading in the country. I mean, it's it just mind I can can't, I just I was so shocked. It's like Ford putting out a car and not spelling Ford properly.
1: <laughs> yeah, i right? mean that's how
0: shocked i was i mean that would be a comparison that i would make i i was just so so dumb coming
1: off the assemb- a car coming off the assembly line with like no doors on it <laughs> <laughs> or, or like no engine they just added pedals
0: yeah i mean <laughs> you know? it just was like I, I know that whoever was responsible for that wanted to die i know they did i'm sure it was rectified immediately but yeah, that was just craziness, craziness.
1: Because for CNN, you can go, okay, that makes sense. They just grabbed a stock image photo and they threw it on there. But Niha, so if, if, if Niha is doing that, then that means it's just prevalent throughout the industry.
0: What happens is they hire these marketing agencies, these large marketing agencies to do their marketing, to print their covers, to do, you know, create all of their imagery. And while they create beautiful work, I mean, I've seen some beautiful images. They're not accurate in what they're representing. And that is important to the credibility of the industry and the stuff that we teach every day. Yeah, And if we're out there teaching this information, and we're saying this is how it should be, as far as food safety is concerned, And we're posting pictures in books and we're posting pictures in magazines and we're printing covers that don't follow what we're teaching. It doesn't mean a damn thing. Right. That's how I feel.
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. And I've created tons of trainings on the supply side of things. And one of the hardest aspects of that is being able to utilize images. So the the companies that are doing it right, they don't want you in there taking pictures, (laughs) right? So you almost have to have have like a subset of just creating the images that can be used for the industry because it's really hard. The legal teams don't want you going in there. They're they're okay with you taking images. If, for instance, it's going to lead to helping out with a corrective action as long as there's some sort of an agreement that you can't utilize those images outside. But taking them and then posting them for marketing or whatever, or utilizing in training, they're not a fan of.
0: This is another thing. Think about this. Think about the camera crews that go into these kitchens to, to take the pictures and the videos and all of the marketing. Oftentimes, there's other people that work for that corporation that are taking videos and pictures of the camera crew doing the work that they do for their marketing. Now, one of the food code rules is that there's no unauthorized personnel in an operating kitchen. Now, let's suppose that somebody were to get sick or, you know, there would become a physical contamination or something like that would happen. Now, you've got evidence of them being in the kitchen without their correct their hats and you know without the aprons and did they wash their hands and you know it's like what training did they have to be in the kitchen and what do they know and now they're posting their images of them being in this operating kitchen while it's busy what do they know about being in you know the working kitchens and what their parameters should be for what they're posting on their clients social media pages right And let's not even talk about celebrity chefs or network television.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's it's some of the podcasts. I I watch a lot of cooking podcasts and stuff. And I think they get bashed for not wearing gloves in the comment section because they'll talk about it all the time that they're not wearing gloves because it's for their own consumption. They're not cooking it for other people. But at least there's some sort of conversation about that, right? But I think there should be more of a conversation about What? Because when people are viewing food being cooked, they are viewing it in a way in which people are consuming it themselves. They're not cooking it for somebody else. So they're much more relaxed in their practices, which is fine, right? If that conversation takes place.
0: Right. They should talk about it. Um, It's the ones where they feed the audience. People don't realize that there's a commercial kitchen in the back where that stuff has been cooked. And they're bringing it out to feed the audience. You know, if they could even just put a ticker across the bottom of the screen, (laughs)
1: something. One of my best auditors, I love, I love hiring people that have made mistakes, you know, that, that have gotten in trouble with the law or whatever, because they don't make the same mistake again, right? One of my best auditors used to own a catering, this is a long time ago. I don't, I'm not in that business anymore, but used to own a catering company and he had an outbreak in his catering company and got something like twenty-five people sick, super sick. And uh, and and this is, I think, in Chicago, someplace like that. And they they shut him down. He lost his license. They shut him down. Oh wow! And then one of my one of my one of my executives and and you know he helped me build multiple companies uh, right out of college. He's a Chilean guy. Right out of college, ends up creating a fishing company and then got, you know, went out, bought fish, you know, gutted it, all that stuff. And then the health inspectors came in and, and shut him down because he wasn't ru- running a, a healthy organization. He went back to college for food safety because he lost his whole entire business. And he was like, why did I lose my business? And then ended up being just amazing food safety guy. Um, but it, it happens. And so hopefully, hopefully – we can help uh, people out there from losing. They'll, they'll lose their business, and they learn about food safety before something catastrophic like that happens. But it's a fantastic story for them when they're walking in and they're like, "Hey, listen, I am finding this, and I'm telling you, you need to fix it because I lost my business because of the same exact thing." That type of that type of story is very powerful when you when you're helping somebody correct something. And, and I just, I just love that.
0: I'm smiling because I've inspected restaurants and shut them down that were getting fish at the back door and gutting them.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Feathered ducks. <laughs> That's Feathered a good story ducks. for another day. We're not going to, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Ducks is that, is that, well, so is that long long
1: like long. a side job for, for your husband? He's like, yeah, I've, I've got, I just went hunting, got 12 ducks. I'm going like, to sell it to this restaurant over here. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. Okay. So do you have a myth for us?
0: I don't have a myth, but I have something um, kind of fun. I don't know. We, we know this information. I don't know how fun it'll be for the people that are listening. You've heard of food filth, right?
1: Food filth.
0: Food filth.
1: No, I can, I no, can you conceptually. You don't
0: know what that is? So each item has a certain amount of, of um like bug
1: parts or whatever that's allowed in the ah, that's what they call that's
0: it's called food filth yeah
1: i know exactly where you're going with this this is gonna this is going to scare so many people about canned food and stuff
0: so for example canned sweet corn oh my gosh can have two or more three millimeter or longer larva cast skins yep yep
1: do you know that like tomatoes even has like a certain amount of like spiders and snakes and stuff like that that they're allowed to have in there as well? I Maybe mean, we should describe the process for this. And I uh, used to work in a couple different labs, and we actually had a project one time where where we were doing those quality inspections, and actually some they get paid laboratories get paid to count bug parts in a particular sample of product. Like it is legit a thing. And one of my one of my good family friends used to work in a very large canning, tomato canning company and a snake or a rat ended up being dumped in. So how the process works is you know, their they're, tomatoes are picked, they're put into these massive bins. The bins are thrown into a hopper. The hopper pulls everything out and starts mm-hmm. getting rid of it. Well, the the bin like dropped in and I guess like a couple rats or something like that were in there and they were scattering and somebody went and shut down the line. So you you train your employees or something like that happens, you shut down the line. But then I guess there was like a snake and, and by the time they had you know, looked and through the whole entire thing, the snake was gone. The rats were, were gone too, but they weren't in the product, but the, the, the snake was processed, you might say. <laughs> And it happens. I mean, it's 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 an agricultural product that ends up in there. But yeah, the, they call that food filth. Man, I probably knew that like yeah. fifteen years ago when I was working in that side of the business. But uh.
0: so canned tomatoes, average of ten or more fly eggs per five hundred grams, five or more fly eggs, and one or more maggots per five hundred grams.
1: Can, can you can you imagine being the guy who creates this policy? This is a fantastic question. I need to find out. How do they come up with the appropriate amount of animal and insect parts that are allowed in the in the product?
0: I don't know. I wanted peanut butter's crazy. I wanted to find peanut butter, but I don't see peanut butter on oh, here it is peanut butter peanut butter. Is allowed an average of 30 or more insect fragments per 100 grams, an average of one or more rodent hairs per 100 grams. Wow. Gritty taste in water, insoluble, inorganic residue is more than 25 milligrams per 100 grams. I mean, I eat peanut butter by the tablespoon. Oh, yeah,
1: me too. I love peanut butter. I'm not
0: going to stop. I mean, I've been eating it for years. I'm good. I mean, sometimes I say, I tell people all the time, it's like, I know way too much.
1: Okay, just to, just to give everybody an idea of how many, how much grams are. So 100 grams equals 3.5 ounces. So if you, if you want to think about that, like three and a half shots, you can <laughs> have that much animal and insect parts in there. Just to give you a, I swear, Francine, we are, we are the, we're like the oh, the diet oh, popcorn. podcast. Popcorn.
0: Popcorn, oh, how, popcorn. I don't know anything
1: about popcorn. How much is in popcorn?
0: One or more rodent excretia pellets are found in oh, one or sad. more subsamples and one or more rodent hairs are found in two or more subsamples or two or more rodent hairs per pound and rodent hair is found in 50% or more of the subsamples or 20 or more gnawed grains per pound and rodent hair is found in 50% or more of the subsamples.
1: Wow. What was in that kettle before they started making that kettle corn? Potato chips. (laughs) Gosh, the look on your face when you saw potato chips. All right, we're really really ruining food for everybody because a lot of people are like, "Well, I just want to eat canned food," but I don't think anybody's going to stop eating corn, (laughs) popcorn, or potato chips. Okay, so potato chips.
0: Average of five percent or more pieces by weight contain rot.
1: Oh, that that kind of makes sense, actually, because probably the, the product that's used for potato chips is not going to be grade A potatoes. It
0: says pre-harvest and or post-harvest infection, significant aesthetic. Well, you know, and let's talk about that. Tomatoes. The tomatoes that they're using for canned tomatoes are not the nice, plump, round tomatoes that you go in to buy for <laughs> your Tomatoes that you put on a sandwich.
1: Also, the tomatoes that are used for canning, this is gonna be interesting for a lot of people, I think. The tomatoes that are used for canning, there's more like vitamins and all that stuff in these canned tomatoes because canned tomatoes are actually fresh tomatoes. Tomatoes that are in, that are fresh in your grocery store, are actually picked green and put on the grocery store red so, because it's hard to transfer, um, move tomatoes in trucks wherever they need to go when they're fresh, when they're red. So yeah, there's gonna be a, because they're red, because they're fresh, they're also gonna have more blemishes because it's easier to crack and to have blemishes on them. So there's a lot of issues when you're looking at those tomatoes, they're gonna think, people are gonna think, oh my gosh, those are rotten. They're not, they're just fresh and people aren't actually used to seeing freshly picked tomatoes unless they garden themselves and then they know exactly what I'm talking about.
0: And cucumbers for pickles, same thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, oh, I'm so I'm I'm done ruining
1: food. And I'm Italian, so I eat a lot of tomato sauce. I think i bake spaghetti probably, homemade spaghetti too, probably uh, once every 10 days or so.
0: <laughs> so, funny story. <laughs> I typically make homemade lasagna, right? And you know that my house right now is like a, a, a total disaster a because we're remodeling the whole thing. Renovating is the word. Anyway... My son came to my house the other day, him and his wife and the children and my grandchildren. And he, they asked, you know, do you want us to bring something over? Are you cooking or what? And I said, no, we'll have, I have lasagna. We'll have lasagna. Now, I always make homemade lasagna when I make lasagna. My husband had grabbed some frozen lasagna at the grocery store, which we eat on occasion. Yeah. That's what I was going to make. If you could have seen the look on my son's face when he
1: walked uh, that uh, house. He was like, What is this, mom? Are you cheating <laughs> and me? we,
0: we have frozen lasagna. I was like, I, I, for a moment, felt like the world's worst mother.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: But it was like, I mean, it was it, it was all good. Everybody ate, but yeah, it was it was it was really pretty funny.
1: It's because you taught your son better manners. He didn't tell you what he was really thinking. Oh no! Oh, he did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> not really? I don't think he really did. But well, it's like so. Last year, my daughter in law was having some back issues. I mean, really, really, really bad back issues. And I was cooking some meals for them a couple nights a week, and I was cooking for us. And (laughs) one night, I took home the Dinty Moore beef stew in cans, right? And I made that with um, dumplings on top for them and for us. And he had said about how good it was. And... (laughs) I think he asked me if I remember correctly. Like, did you make that, or or, or something along those lines, or was that denty more or something? And I'm like, I'll never tell. But then he came over to my house a few days later and found the can, and because we we um, recycle, so he saw the can and he's like, okay, so I just saw the denty more. <laughs>
1: And he's an engineer too, so he's a very observant person.
0: Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. He doesn't miss anything. It was just so funny.
1: So funny.
0: I'm <laughs> like, I'm falling apart in my age, old age, I guess.
1: Yeah, but those, those frozen lasagnas, we get frozen lasagnas from Costco or Sam's Club or whatever. They're pretty good.
0: Yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad.
1: Well, should we call it Francine? I think, I mean, it seems like we, we, we always say don't eat poop, but <clears throat> with your... um food filth i guess there's a certain amount of feces allowed
0: on occasion on
1: occasion excretia (laughs) which is just a a scientific way of saying poop (laughs) i mean don't eat excretia doesn't isn't nearly as fun as don't eat poop
0: oh you know what we need to tell people to do we need to tell people to follow us on our linkedin don't eat poop page now
1: thank you francine
0: Yes, follow us on our don't eat poop LinkedIn page.
1: LinkedIn don't eat poop page. Yes. Or don't eat discretia. Too many too many syllables.
0: All right. Thanks all. Bye. Bye.